This episode is sponsored by Paleo Valley. Paleo Valley's meat sticks have been a lifesaver during this hot summer. Since they're shelf stable, I always have three Paleo Valley meat sticks in my bag at all times. It's also been perfect for my boys' lunch boxes. I love Paleo Valley's grass finished beef sticks and pasture raised turkey sticks because they support US family farmers that focus on regenerative agriculture. These meat sticks are from animals that have never been fed grains, soy, corn, or GMOs and have never been given antibiotics. The spices in these meat sticks are also 100% organic. The sticks come in five different flavors, and my favorite is the original beef stick, and my boys love the teriyaki beef sticks and the original pasture raised turkey stick. Paleo Valley's meat sticks are a perfect snack and, frankly, a great value without skimping on quality. Each stick is about $2 with our discount code, and it comes in a 10 pack bag. Make sure to support this podcast and head over to paleovalley.comslash CATG and use code CATG to get 15% off your first order. Thanks for listening and supporting the Cutting Against the Grain podcast. Laura and I are just going to be talking really candid. This is what this podcast is all about. It's one thing to say, I want to eat something else that's not meat. It's a whole other thing to say, you need to eat something else that's not meat. If you notice that you're jumping from diet to diet, at a certain point, you have to wonder. The only common denominator is me. Get outside, go for a walk,、yeah. get some vitamin D, breathe、yeah. some fresh air,、uh, and, and stay happy and healthy and, and take care of yourselves. Let's just have some real talk. <laughs> Welcome to the Cutting Against the Grain podcast. Hey guys, welcome back to the Cutting Against the Grain podcast. My name is Judy Cho and I'm here with my co host, Laura Spath. Today we are going to talk a little bit about the mental side of dieting, how sometimes dieting itself can feel like restriction and how to even stay motivated.、Uh, we are going to talk a little bit about why it's important to keep our thoughts and our emotions in check、uh, to make sure that we can stay the course, especially when sometimes it gets hard. I think the people, when they hear this, are instantly going, like, that's why it's called a lifestyle and not a diet. But sometimes even just that gets me triggered and overwhelmed because I start thinking about, like, yes, this is a lifestyle, which means that this is forever, which means that, like, I have this abstaining problem that I'm going to have to keep up forever and I'm never going to be able to have these things again. And it's like a forever thing. And then it starts feeling overwhelming. And If sometimes I think people say, like, well, it's a lifestyle, which means that the, you know, most of the time I can stay on track. And then every once in a while I can have something else, which works for a lot of people. But for some people like me, you know, we've talked about if I just tell myself, like, I'm going to have one bite of something or a little bit of something or have something occasionally, then it kind of throws me off. So we, had, we I mean, we talked about what we were going to talk about today. And I just have been going through this period of, Almost like mental exhaustion or frustration about this. I go through ebbs and flows of feeling super motivated and strong, and I'm on top of a mountain and I can do anything, and I'll never need sugars and I don't have any cravings, and I'm feeling like, you know, just really strong. And then other times, I like right now, I'm just kind of in like a dump. I don't know. Maybe it's because I haven't been 
super strict, right? Those are the things that happen to me when I start letting these things happen. And I just get frustrated and overwhelmed that I'm like, look at other people who look healthy and think like, why can't I just be normal like them? Or why can't I moderate things like they do? Or like, why am I in this? It's just, sometimes it just gets real. It just sucks, you know, and it really gets overwhelming. I don't know if you ever experienced that. Yeah. I mean, I think especially if our bar is social media, we will never see what the other side looks like. Even if the person you're looking at day in and day out, they look thin, they're fit, they're at the gym. We don't know all that goes on be beyond the picture, right? So, so one, it's if it's a comparison from these people that seem like, wow, they just have their stuff together all the time. I can tell yeah. you from working with clients as young as in elementary school, all the way to people in their 70s, and they're all different sizes. Some are super athletic and thin, and some people are obese. And I can tell you that there is no one that says, I'm so good at the diet. The diet is perfect. Um, it's it's something else. And And a lot of the people, their diet on most days are clean, but on some days they struggle. And so I think we sometimes forget that other people may struggle as much as us. But when I work with other people, that's what gives me the sanity pulse. And I realize it doesn't matter how thin or obese you are, the range of struggle is all there. It's just, we don't share all of that with whether it's our friends, whether it's social media or family, but we tend to not show all of that publicly. And it doesn't matter what size you are, right? So just the stuff that you talked about, there's some days I'm stricter and there's some days that I'm not. And then I feel the same thing, right? My body weight doesn't change that much, but sometimes it's just, why can't I eat just cleaner, right? And and then I'll feel that the tiredness the next day from not eating as clean or eating way too much cheese or whatever else it is. So I'm I sure think- most people struggle like you're saying. I think that's what's so emotionally frustrating for me is that my weight does change so much. Like my weight can fluctuate 10, 20 pounds in a matter of a week or two, and it goes up so fast. So I get off track and I'll have some nuts or some cheese or some keto chocolates or whatever. And I'll eat something that's not like super strict or I'm grazing for a couple of days. And then the next thing you know, I've gone up 10 pounds on the scale. And a lot of that is because I have excess skin and it fills up all those cells fill up with, you know, with water. And, but then it doesn't come off as quickly as I want it to. It goes on so fast. And then it's like to get it off again, I have to go all the way back to the beginning, go all the way back to the basics. It's just like so much work. And it is like, I just am so tired of it. Like to think that I have to like go back to the basics and go back to being strict and go back to fasting and go back to like, please come on. Like when can I just wake up and like want to go to the gym and eat when I want and what I want? And like, when does this just get easier? And then, oh, my weight maintains. And then, oh, occasionally I can eat something different and then go back on track. And like, it just sounds so simple. And I just, I am in this place of like being really frustrated about it. And it's sometimes it's just so hard. And so I don't know, like, I'm not trying to just whine. I went to you all, obviously, like, that's what this is about. I know the steps that I have to do to 
to get myself back on track, to keep my weight where it is. It's just sometimes like I don't want to do it. And it really pisses me off that like I have to work this hard to stay healthy. And it's just mentally exhausting sometimes. And I guess I just want people to know that if they're experiencing that, that's okay. Because this is not fun for me sometimes. And I feel like I do get relaxed sometimes and ha- and and feel like I'm acting like a normal person, but it spirals so quickly and I gain weight so fast and it's so frustrating. And then it just takes me like months, weeks. It's so much work. And it's just, then that part gets exhausting and it's really demotivating to think that I'm going to have to like be in this cycle all the time. And like, why can't I just be more flexible and then stay at a lower weight? Like it's really frustrating. Yeah. I mean, I I get it. I think it's, um, we can all relate in the sense that if we start eating foods that are not carnivore, we're not in a ketogenic state. And then knowing that I'm running on blood sugar, I'm I'm running on sugars. And then now I have to go back to eating ketogenic. So I'm going to have a a few days to a week of um, lower mood, lower energy. And you know what, I'll just wait another day to get back into it. And I know the steps I need to take but it just seems easier to just not being as clean because it's easier. Right. Um, Yeah. And then you get to a point too, that meat doesn't sound as good when you're eating too much variety or you're grazing or whatever, like then all of a sudden, like that doesn't even sound good to just go eat a whole big bunch of meat and like force yourself to get back on track. And so it's kind of this terrible cycle where you're grazing and eating other things and then meat doesn't sound good. So then you graze on other thing. And it just, it really perpetuates itself, which almost makes it harder than to get back to those, you know, a couple meals a day. One thing I always use with my clients in this kind of vicious cycle is figuring out why you veer off um, whatever diet or whatever way you're eating, right? So what was it that when you were eating strict for a while, was it one that you were being too strict, right? Was it too strict that it's unrealistic to do long-term? Or is it that you were being strict or whatever that definition of strict is, and then um, something happened emotionally or in life where you were just anxious or exhausted or sleep deprived, and so you grabbed some chips or you were eating too lean, whatever the reason is. But if you can figure out where it's stemming from and what the thoughts are or the emotions were that then affected your behavior to then eat these foods, like what is the core reason that kind of started the cycle that may help you then in future situations, never go down that path again. For me, I think that it's, I just get overconfident. So if I'm be in this mode where I'm super strict and I'm say two meals a day, just meat and eggs and like really nice and solid strict, then I, if I have an emotional situation or a stressful situation, like I might eat meat extra or I might go eat some bacon or munch on some cheese, but I still stay on track. And I really like don't get sugar cravings or emotional cravings. Um, when I'm in that really solid place, the stressful and the emotional situations don't really bother me as much. I don't get cravings like to eat donuts at work or to eat cake at somebody's birthday. Like none of those things bother me when I'm feeling super solid. The problem is, is that I then stand on top of this mountain for long enough and I feel so solid and I'm like, Hey, maybe I can handle dipping my toe back into something else. Or like I've been doing so good for so long. I'm so strong. I can totally handle eating some peanut butter. I can totally handle having some keto chocolate. And then 
100% of the time, I completely fall down the mountain. And then you're sitting at the bottom of the mountain going, I have to climb up this freaking mountain again to do it all over again for what? It's just too, it feels too hard and you're already tired from doing it last time. And so then to try to climb up. So then once I'm up there, it takes all this work to get up there. And then you sit up there long enough and you forget how hard it was to get there and you just get overly confident again, I guess. So that's, for me, that's the cycle. And it's, I get better at it. And this happens less often because once I'm there and feeling strong, I just have to remind myself of why I can't dip my toes into things, why I have to stay strong. It's so much easier if you just stay where you're at and don't go back to those other things. Like that's my biggest thing. If I can get to a really solid place and then convince myself to stay there, then obviously then it's so much easier. And then I go through periods of months where things are really solid and strong and I'm feeling great and I'm not having any issues and I'm not having that mental stress, but you never know something all of a sudden happens where I'm feeling too strong and, or, you know, trying to test myself in some ways. One, I would suggest um, possibly making a list, right? So let's say you are on that mountain. And if you know that it's inevitable that one day you're going to say, hey, I'm going to test the water since I am strong. Maybe you have a list of, I know these foods for sure. I can't try them because they're maybe on my, when I'm on this mountain for years type of food that I need to try. So maybe peanut butter is on the do not try first list. But maybe you can try something else, right? Maybe it's a keto treat. I don't know what that list. It's going to be very personable to you and to whoever else is listening to this. But then on top of that, you know, my question again about going into the thoughts is what makes you when you're feeling great, you know, you're on top of the mountain feeling wonderful. What makes you want to try the peanut butter? or try because whatever it's good. It it's really freaking good. And I, I it's a, something that you enjoy. It's pleasurable. Like I don't, so I used to smoke well, years ago, like in college. And then now I've been watching like TV shows where they smoke constantly. And then you just like, it, you think it looks so good. And I remember going years before, even now it's been many, many, many years since I've smoked. And I still like watch something like this show where they're smoking constantly. And I'm like, man, that sensation and that, that hand to mouth and that ritual, like I miss that. And then if I were to have a cigarette, I think I would throw up um, because it's not as what you think it is. And it's not what you want it to be, but you sensationalize these things in your brain. And I think that our memories, you know, we tend to I, there's there's two different sides of this. There's people now who demonize that old food and they look at donuts and they look at cake and they think they see that as poison and they see that as a drug and it's not interesting to them. Like it's not appealing to them whatsoever. And I envy that because I think I look at those things and I almost, you know, sensationalize it in my brain or it's this, I glorified in my, in my memory of remembering how good it was. And so, um, it definitely, it's that same thing where you just dream about it almost, or you, you idolize it. And it's, it's not, not, I mean, it's not a healthy mindset to be in. And so you have to continue to remind yourself that it's, it is a poison. It's not helpful for you. It's not, it's going to cause all of these reactions, but um, I'm not at that place where I look at something and don't see it as appealing. It's, it's a drug. I mean, there's, I have a dear friend who struggled with opiate um, addiction. And there's not a time that goes by, you know, when they don't think about those, the pleasure of that experience, you know. One of the things that 
would be beneficial is figuring out the thoughts around that. For me, if I were to eat some of the junk foods I used to eat in the past, for sure, there's that pleasurable side, right? You have a release of endorphins. There's the sugar addiction side. All of that stuff is true. But then I also remember how sick I was, how I wasn't able to care for my child and a bunch of other things, right? That I was on antidepressants and stuff. So it got to a point where, sure, sometimes if I want to try it, um, I know that it will have an adverse effect on me. So the positive is now blurred by a lot of the negative. So even for your situation before you were pre-diabetic and whatever else you struggled with, if your feelings are that it's pleasurable, what's the thought behind it? Was it, is it tied to a memory in the past, for example? Is it tied to a period in your life where you were happy and so therefore happiness equals that peanut butter? Does that make sense what I'm saying? It's not just that the peanut butter is tasty. I think most people would say peanut butter is tasty, but is there a emotional connection, a memory, a period of time that that therefore in addition to the actual flavor, but it maybe puts you back into a period in time where you felt loved or. Yeah. And oh my God, I'd never even realized. So one of my favorite childhood memories is when we used to just have this really silly tradition in our house. And when my brother was alive and my parents were still married, it's like my mom would go to the grocery store and she would buy a new jar of peanut butter. And it was always this fight that when she brought the groceries home, it was who could pop the top and dip their finger in that fresh jar of peanut butter and get the first lick. And I remember like literally wrestling in the kitchen with my dad and my brothers to see who could stick their finger in this jar of peanut butter and lick it. I've never even put that together until you just said that. And it's this moment of like, that is when my childhood was the happiest moment is just having this time. And I just have so many memories that are centered around that. And it maybe, maybe even subconsciously, like some of that is brought back to like, this was my happiest time before my brother died. And before, you know, then my parents divorced and like all that stuff that they went through, like there's a part of that. I've never even thought of that before. That's yeah. That's what I was talking about. That makes a lot of sense. That's maybe why it's the peanut butter. Cause I don't feel that way about donuts, but I do feel this with peanut butter specifically. So if there's ever a time where you want to celebrate or you, it's like that childhood recollection of that emotional state where things were good. You, you felt happy and it was associated. That's why smells and um, celebratory foods. it, It has a bigger meaning than the actual food itself. And that's why I was saying, where does the emotions and the thoughts come from? Because oftentimes it's not the food itself and it's something from our past. And so it sounds like, especially if you're stressed, if you're turning to the peanut butter, Mm -hmm. Uh, like unknowingly, it could be that you just want to go back to when it was happier times, happier moments. And it's, and you're not thinking about the weight at that point. It's just, um, this made me happy. And maybe this is the antidote to make me feel happy right now. And so your body just remembers those moments. And in that like higher stress state, or even if it's a moment of celebration state, you will maybe turn to that and, um, And it makes sense why then you may feel a positive connection with peanut butter, because I think it's more than just the actual peanut butter. Yeah. And I don't think it's conscious. Like, obviously I didn't realize that I'd never really put those two things together. I've told that story to my kids and I've told that story to like friends, like uh, a million times, but I guess I've never connected them as like why that's my biggest trigger food right now. Um, or thought about it because I don't 
you know, I don't feel that way with other things, but there, there's so much in your body. That's like this physical remembrance of this, of food. And I think that's, that's one of those hard things that we deal with and maybe why it is so hard. I think I, you know, the other side of that then is, okay, great. The peanut butter happened or whatever. And then it sends me down this, this other spiral, the shame spiral that comes behind that is so hard. Um, and where you just feel frustrated, I, you know, we get to this point where it just feels like it's too much work to get back to where we were, which is why so many people who lose all their weight, gain it all back again. It doesn't matter what method you use to link, lose your weight. I think part of it is, you know, it's, if you're doing something that's so restrictive and not satisfying, but there's this also this element of like, you know, the all or nothing mentality that we talk about where it's just so much harder than to put in the work again, to be able to do something, accomplish something again, when you feel like you failed, there's this sense of failure that a lot of people experience, um, when they do regain weight. Yeah. And I think that's why every diet, when you first try it is much more successful than the next time you try it, or this, the second time you try quitting smoking is much harder than the first, because when you're first embarking on whatever journey it may be, you don't know what the territory looks like, right? So you're, you're excited and you're all in. And then, and then if you ever fall off the journey, you know, now what to expect, how hard it's going to be when you first stop smoking or when you first start trying to get off of sugar. And so that's when it becomes harder. And that's why I say, even with carnivore 75 hard to do those practices before you start the diet. If in a period where you feel demotivated, if you read like the pros and cons list of why you want to eat meat based or a meat heavy diet, and you see all the things you struggle with, the low mood or the weight gain or whatever other things, maybe that'll be enough to help you maybe just have the next meal be a meat only meal. And so that's why I always say, take it day by day, take it meal by meal, because I know it's hard. And I know it's hard for everyone. Every single person I work with, it's very hard to eat meat only long term, especially when they're trying to heal when it's not as smooth as oh, wow, look at all the pounds are falling off. And oh my gosh, I feel wonderful, right? It's normally real life and a lifestyle takes a much longer process and it's zigzags and ups and downs. And it's still trying to look and focus on the good and keep going. And that's hard. And it's really hard in moments when we are beside ourselves and we're just struggling where we just want to say, screw it today. I just want to comfort or I just want to wallow in my pain today and say it was good enough. And it's those moments, those tools that I recommend of whatever you may find comfort in or looking at the pros and cons list and saying, okay, just, I'm not going to focus on tomorrow. I'm just going to focus this one meal. I will eat meat only. And even if I don't want it, I'm just going to get through it meal by meal. And eventually enough days will pass that you will feel better. I think that's also maybe why people jump from diet to diet. And it makes so much sense. Like when you said that it it triggered, like that's why I went from vegan to this, to Weight Watchers, to uh, low carb, to keto. Like, and you kind of try all these different things because when you fall off and you gain the weight back, you're like, okay, well that one didn't work. And we see it now with people going from keto to carnivore, to repeat, to back to low carb, to paleo, to Mediterranean, to calorie restriction to reverse dieting. They're trying to find something that's going to work. I think not even initially, because for everybody, all of those things that I just mentioned work initially for a lot of people, maybe not for a root cause healing, but if you're looking for weight loss, you can lose weight in all of those ways that I mentioned. But I think then the problem is 
And what I'm feeling, maybe this is what I'm feeling right now is I've lost weight and then you gain some back again. And then I have to do the exact same thing over again. Well, it didn't work for me because I gained my weight back. It wasn't the diet's fault. It's my fault. It's my emotional side that I need to fix still. And you can kind of do one of two things. I think when you jump to something new, it's different. It's exciting. You think that there's hope that this is going to work this time and that it's the new diet and the new food plan and the new meal guide. And maybe this time it will make a difference. But really, it's just the fact that you haven't addressed your root cause issues with food and that there's still some work that needs to be done about why we can't maintain this weight loss moving forward. Um, And really, that's the root healing that needs to be done and not just trying a different diet. It's not the diet's fault, no matter which one of those you try. Yeah. And I would also say not to say it's your fault, right? Because even if a lot of it is our individual faults, if we blame ourselves for everything or we say, gosh, Judy, again, you failed or you, you're you not good or that level of thought and feeling again will affect our actions. Because when we think we're not good enough, we will invoke a cortisol response and then we will feel a higher state of stress. And then let's say we forget to do something and then it's just easy to pack on the I'm not good enough. I'm not good enough. See, here's another evidence of I'm not good enough. And then it becomes really hard by the end of the night to say, I'm just going to eat meat only. I'm just going to work on my own health. And if um, and that's why I say, don't say it's my fault. It's my fault. Maybe you didn't have the right tools, right? You never thought peanut butter had any connection to something more than that. It was just peanut butter. Sometimes it's beyond what we are aware of in the moment. And that's okay. It's just, we have to have self-care. And I don't mean it in a fluffy, like, oh, love yourself. It's having enough love for yourself so that you're not stressing yourself out. That's the ultimate reason I bring up self-care, it's that we can love ourselves enough that when we eat meat only, it will be enough for that day and that meal. And then we can move on. I get so many emails from my clients or sessions where they've fallen off and they are so angry at themselves, beating themselves down. And it's just unfortunate because that's what's perpetuating you with staying down, right? That's where the comfort of junk foods or cheat foods or whatever it may be seems easier when you're down because your neural pathways have already been made to um, turn to those foods for comfort instead of using meat only for healing. That's where I think practicing self-love, having patience. I know it's so frustrating when the first time you maybe you lost weight within a month and then this time it's like two months and you're still not losing that same weight. But it's uh, practicing patience, loving ourselves um, for all the good and bad, and then knowing that this is just a blip in time and that as time passes, you know, hopefully the root cause healing will happen and, and you'll look back and say, oh, okay, that was just a blip in time. Yeah, I think the shame that you mentioned, or hey, you're, you're right. You brought up an excellent point of you can't like hate yourself into fixing it is something that I, I sometimes say, or you can't be upset at yourself. But I, I do think it's important to realize that this is within me. I'm not a failure, I guess. I'm not, it's not my fault is important not to bring that negativity on yourself, but to say that I need to work on something. I need to address the root cause because it's not the diet that's not working for me. It's that I'm not working within it. And there's something that's keeping me from being able to fully lean into this or to fully give into it. And it's, you know, we have to 
I mean, I do think we have to take some of that responsibility ourselves, but then also give yourself the grace because beating yourself up about it isn't going to help you move forward. It's more so to identify what's causing those things. What are those thoughts? What are those events? You know, look ahead. When am I going to be stressed? Am I going to be busy? When am I going to be tempted? And thinking about how can I avoid those things in the future? And that's that definitely has served me well, especially in the beginning of thinking about, I have a family event. How am I going to proactively not eat something bad when I go here? My aunt's going to make this amazing food that I love and it's not going to serve me. Like, how do I avoid those things? And proactively looking ahead. And I also think we have to, this one's a harder for me, but you still have to remember that these processed foods are designed to be addictive and they are made for this. And so, you know, if that's a motivation thing for you too, to say like, this is a drug, this is a toxic food. um, I hope I can, you know, I have to keep reminding myself that, and I hope that thought process becomes more natural for me, but to realize that this food is designed to be addictive um, and it's designed for you to want it even when you're not hungry and for you to think about it when you're emotional and it gives you those endorphin releases in your brain. And um, and that's kind of its purpose, just like somebody who takes an opiate would experience that high. And so we, you know, the more stable we can keep our emotions, our blood sugar, our um, stress levels, I think the easier it is because any type of up and down, I think that's also why it's harder for you to lose weight. We put our bodies through so much by gaining and losing. And we're so, I'm so hard on my body with this constant up and down that no wonder it's taking longer to lose the weight again, because my body has to do some healing along the way. I really think that most people turn to an addiction because they're trying to cope with something. And first of all, Anyone that tries opiates, smoking, food, whatever it may be, they're not turning to it at first as an addiction. They're just doing it because it makes them feel better, but it's masking something that they're not dealing with. And then over time, you keep turning to it because it comforted you at first, but eventually it becomes an addiction where you can't help yourself and keep going to it, even though you know that it's not good for you. For anyone that is turning to something. It doesn't even have to be the things that we mentioned. It could be shopping, just being busy, um, depending on someone. If there is something that you are running from so that you can deal with life, um, it's something to work on because even if your mind is not aware that you're doing this, your body for sure is, and it will produce more cortisol to uh, work on your Uh, endocrine system harder and you will then possibly have imbalances in your hormones and your thyroid. So it's not an easy path, but this is such a big part of healing that I always recommend is working on the therapy side because we don't know what we don't know from our past, right? We're, We're really good at blocking things out. And those things, though, they manifest in ways that we are not even aware of. And so that is why I am the biggest fan of therapy because you can have these aha moments where you're like, that's why I never realized that. And if you're not finding healing from all the different diets you've been on, um, it's something that you may want to look into. And it may actually not be the diet itself, but something deeper within. And you're not alone with what you're struggling in and you don't have to be alone in how you figure it out and overcome it. And so it's important to make sure that you're addressing root causes and also you know, getting proper resources, whether it's community support or a friend or start a podcast, and then you can go through therapy with your co-host. That's what works for me. Thanks for tuning in to the Cutting Against the Grain podcast. 
If you enjoyed this episode, please make sure to share and leave us a review and leave any comments and questions on Apple Podcasts. We will read and answer your questions and comments on an upcoming podcast episode. This also helps us to share our real talk with more community members. You can also find me on my other podcast, Nutrition with Judy, on all podcast channels. You can also follow my content on Nutrition with Judy's Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. You can find Carnivore Cure in paperback, ebook, and audio on Amazon. I also have a blog post and weekly newsletter with nutrition and wellness updates. You can sign up at nutritionwithjudy.com. You can find Laura on Instagram at Laura East Bath. You can follow along on her daily stories and see some of her funny skits. You can also find Laura on her YouTube channel where she shares tips on living a meat-based lifestyle. If you're wondering how much meat to eat in a day, week, or month, Laura has you covered. She also shares how to make a perfect sear on a steak and how extended fasting looks like in real life. You can find her YouTube channel by searching Laura's Bath. Thanks again for listening to the Cutting Against the Grain podcast. And remember, make sure to cut against the grain. Thanks for tuning in to the Cutting Against the Grain podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please make sure to share and leave us a review and leave any comments and questions on Apple Podcasts. We will read and answer your questions and comments on an upcoming podcast episode. This also helps us to share our real talk with more community members. You can also find me on my other podcast, Nutrition with Judy, on all podcast channels. You can also follow my content on Nutrition with Judy's Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. You can find Carnivore Cure in paperback, ebook, and audio on Amazon. I also have a blog post and weekly newsletter with nutrition and wellness updates. You can sign up at nutritionwithjudy.com. You can find Laura on Instagram at Laura East Bath. You can follow along on her daily stories and see some of her funny skits. You can also find Laura on her YouTube channel where she shares tips on living a meat-based lifestyle. If you're wondering how much meat to eat in a day, week, or month, Laura has you covered. She also shares how to make a perfect sear on a steak and how extended fasting looks like in real life. You can find her YouTube channel by searching Laura's Bath. Thanks again for listening to the Cutting Against the Grain podcast. And remember, make sure to cut against the grain. <laughs>